0: Welcome to the Landscaping Podcast. My name is Joel Barnett and I'm your host. And today's episode is the 43rd of the Instagram Lives That We've Done. And this week's guest for the regular episode is Bryce Hillig from Local Green Bank. He's based in Sydney. And got a pretty cool story because he just got back about a month ago from working in France on Monet's Garden. So he's doing about eight weeks of garden maintenance there. So that's a pretty cool experience for him. He's only, I think, he's turning twenty six this year, or turned twenty six. So he's only a young fella, but uh, he got a pretty cool um, story, and also his path on where he's, he's planning ahead. So, so it was good chatting to him uh, from local green bean. Uh, first question is from Alex Pugh saying, "Rain days, how do you get around? How do you get around days you have employees off the tools due to rain?" Bit of a tricky one because uh, it's. It's not a great sorry thing for anyone because not only do you have guys off tool, off-site, so you've got to pay them to sit at home, but then depending on how heavy the rain is, the next day it could be muddy, so it just takes time out of that day as well. Even if they work through it, it's still a nightmare for cleaning things and tools getting damaged. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of rain much at all, let alone while you, when you're trying to get work done. So, uh that's one of the many reasons why I stay small because, yeah, if I've only got two employees, it's not the end of the world if you have to keep them at home because it's raining. Whereas if you've got eight or more employees, then that's going to cost you a lot more. Like It technically should work out pretty similar because if you're allowing a certain amount of days, you know, percentage-wise, it should all kind of work out the same. But it just feels a lot better just sending two guys home compared to sending eight guys home um so yeah my guys get paid if it rains if they stuck, like we've, we're like we've got a shed so we've got things we can do at the shed um and if you know that there's some rain coming you can try and plan for some painting or something that needs to get done like you might be doing some uh, timber battens so you could paint them at the shed beforehand if you're lucky enough to have one and or space to do it so yeah there generally there's not a lot you can do but you can try and you know just put spend a 1% of your time thinking of what you could do if it rained and try and, and uh, keep those tasks for those those days. But obviously, you've got to get it done eventually. You can't just not finish your job because you're waiting for it to rain to paint the pickets. But, yeah, that's it's something that is going to happen. You work outside, so you, you do have to deal with the weather. There's even been uh, a day where we stopped working because it was too windy because it was just a nightmare. Like It was just horrible to be outside, so... Uh, wind can be as bad as rain and also just as dangerous so there's you certainly do need to allow for the the bad elements uh, that are going to happen um so it's well worth working that out in your overhead costs so when you're working out your hourly rate what you need to charge per person per day per hour that kind of thing it's worth like let's for example if you're gonna once you've worked out all your bulk figures, and then you divide that by 220 because that's how many days you can work after you've taken out all the public holidays, weekends, annual leave and sick leave in a year. You're left with 220 days, the thereabouts. It's not a bad idea to take out another, let's say, three days so they can be your rain days. So then if it does, like if it rains and you can, you know, have them doing something productive at the shed, awesome. Now, if it doesn't rain, even better. But if it does rain, well, at least you've got three days that you know that you're built that into the price, so you know that you're you know, over a year. Those days are getting paid for. So, and yeah, if you can do more than three, even better. Just um, yeah, cover yourself that way. So there's a few different ways to go around it, um, but yeah, there's not. Like the employees don't like it any more than the employers. So, yeah, no one wants to go back to the shed and clean up things or sharpen shovels or, yeah, no one wins except the gardens when it rains. Our next question is from Byron Bay Ranger saying, what are your business values and why? So I don't have any specific values or uh, I know there's some some companies that do have certain values and rules that they follow, but one thing I'm big on and I get my like I teach this to my uh, new employees early in the days so that they start is treating the neighbors of our clients as, with as much respect as you treat the clients. And uh, so one thing there's a lot of little um bugbears, things that I can't stand. And one of them is using a neighbor's nature strip, like for if you're tipping some soil or gravel or something, or even just storing tools, you know, for more than 10 minutes. I don't like to use the neighbors' nature because they haven't paid us to be there. They don't want us, you know, necessarily in their street or taking up room and sort of upsetting their, um, their regular patterns. So they might usually park in a certain spot. And if you've got three vehicles parking in the street, then that's going to change their routine. So you want to do as much for the neighbours as you can, as well as obviously the clients. So the clients are obviously number one priority to look after, but um, but it's important to um, look after the neighbours as well and just be good people. So it's it's one of those things when you're younger, you probably don't really care or realise it as much. But then when you've um, you, you, you know, got people working in your street, um, not not in your house or anything, but when you when you have other people getting stuff done in your street where you live, you can realise how frustrating it can be when someone steals where you usually park or they park on your nature ship and maybe you've been looking after your lawn. It doesn't look immaculate, but you're proud of it and they've gone and tipped some gravel that gets on there a little bit or sort of tie marks. So it's really minuscule stuff and it's not the end of the world, but it's uh, it's only a one percent percenter thing that you need to do like one percent effort that you need to apply and it makes a big difference to keep the neighbors happy and then the neighbor's happy your clients are going to be happy as well because they're not getting grief from their neighbors so um just yeah the i don't know if the value is being a good person but that's that's one of the values i like to have in my employees is to be good people first and then good landscape is second um you're always going to have work from referrals if you've got good people. Because like a lot of the clients don't um analyse how well a landscaping project is done as much as what a landscaper would, but they are going to analyze how you know how nice the people are on site. And if they're yelling or swearing or the another thing I don't like is when the radio is too close to the house. Because if you've ever gone inside a house when the a radio is on the outside of the house, it just Booms a lot louder inside when it's quiet inside. If you don't realize it is as loud outside. So I always want the radio as far away from the house as it can be. Um, and also, you know, choosing your radio station being appropriate. So, um, yeah, that's that it. It's good that I've sort of drummed that into my employees. And then when we go onto a site where people aren't acting like that, they'll, they'll have the radio booming or yelling out from one side of the um, site to the other and swearing, they'll pick up how, yeah, inappropriate it is. So, so I don't like, I don't like to be a stereotypical tradie or have my employees be stereotypical tradies because that's not a, uh, a high customer service reputation. That's not what stereotypical tradies are and that's what we want to have. So, and yeah, no, um, formal values, but that's, that's kind of the, um, path that we want to head down our next question is from abcam horticultures and cam said with 3d renders does this create a certain expectation from the client and then if that expectation isn't met become the cause of possible friction when the job is completed that's a great question because that is exactly what can happen with uh getting 3d renders done you can create that expectation of what everything's going to look like even though that's a um uh just a representation so in all of my emails and words i'll say this is what it might look like so uh, you don't want to say this is what it will look like because things change um they might think it's going to look all the plants going to be fully grown as soon as you finish because that's what it looks like in the 3d renders um so you even though it might be obvious to you that, that, that not everything's going to look exactly the same as the 3d render you want to give your clients as much communication on that as you can so that they have the right uh, expectations going into it and they realize that it's just a, a concept and, and gives them a bit a little bit more of an idea of what it might look like but it doesn't it's like it gives you more of an idea of what it will look like compared to a 2D plan but it's but it's not what it's going to actually look like because you can't you know you can't create something before it's been created. If that makes sense, um, so the the three D renders we do don't look photorealistic. Every now and then, when I post one, someone will ask, you know, what paver is that or what plan is that? But so that they can be, they can fool some people a little bit, certain images and certain angles. But um, but that can be the the trouble of getting the photorealistic three D renders is that they they look a lot more real. So there's more of an expectation from the client that that's how it's going to look. So. Um, yeah, you pay a lot well for those realistic-looking 3D renders, but they can also get you in more trouble. So it's not a bad thing having less realistic-looking renders because they still give a client a heaps better of idea of what the project will look like. And every time we've got one done, I always get amazed at how awesome they look compared to the 2D. Um, so you don't need to go too over the top with them, and uh, just to give the client a better understanding of how it will look or how it might look. Um, but yeah like like a lot of things communication and being upfront about it is the key um, and also then go through it with the client so so that they're exactly aware of how it's all going to look and um, and how it won't look as well like there might be things like all the plants in the renders they all look exactly the same potentially because they're all just a, a copy of each other whereas nature's not like that so there could be it could even be worth pointing that out to the client that all the plants aren't going to be identical. When they first go in so yeah just over communication is better than under communication spruce horticulture said how do you make sure there isn't nut grass in a premium soil you purchase from suppliers i uh, have never had any problems with nutgrass, but there are, as far as i'm aware there's no way of knowing um what of or providing weed free soil I remember back in uh, the early days, well, I reckon I might have been studying horticulture. Cause whoever was teaching it was saying you should always supply weed-free soil, but uh, I've never been able to find where you can get that. Um, and I've, I've seen where the soil come from that we get, and it's where we've taken clean fill. So I know there's all sorts of weeds and stuff in there. So we'll take it and tip it somewhere, and then they screed it, and then you see that the landscape suppliers driving their big trucks in there getting loaded up with the screen topsoil and then going back to the yard and selling it back to us. So it is guaranteed that there are weed seeds in there. Um, And if you were to get, if somehow there is, like I'm sure there is some sort of weed-free soil, but I don't know how much bulk of it you'd be able to get. And I assume that they would have to be sort of sterilising it so to be there'd be no life in it at all. So uh, is that better than... Having some weeds that you've got to pick out um, when the fir- when the garden first goes in. I'm not sure. Loam probably doesn't matter as much as what uh, like a garden blend mix would, um, but you would have to get it pretty hot but to to get rid of the weeds. But and that can also kill like any worms or other beneficial bacteria that's in there. So it's a tricky one. But um in terms of nut grass, I don't know if it's uh, more of a Regional thing where it's a problem in certain areas, but we—I certainly haven't come across it at all, with, with any issues in it. But I have seen its name pop up every now and then where people are struggling with it. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure how you would go about removing it once it goes in if it's because it's—I assume it's pretty difficult. I don't know if it's anything like onion grass, which has a bit of a leathery leaf on it, so you've got a—it's uh, kind of waterproof leaf, so you spray. Your um, glyphosate on there, it's not going to attach to it, so you need to add detergent to it so that it sticks to the leaf. And I'm sure there's things like that that can help get rid of it once it's in there, but, um, but yeah, there's no way of us – like, I've, I've never had any issue. Like, every now and then you find a job where there's a lot of weeds that come up, but um, but you can get keep it on top of them, and then once, as long as you don't let them plough, then you can, you can um, keep them under control. Uh, Nate Needless said, How do I battle mealybugs and mold on plants and bamboo without chemicals? I haven't had a lot to do with them with either mealybugs or mold as a landscaper, but when I worked at the nursery before I even started studying horticulture, we used to have some mealybugs on the indoor plants. So um, so I would say that they are both got similar uh, needs. Like they both like the same thing which is moisture yeah they both like having moisture around so to that's what that's why they were on the indoor plants because you know there's no wind or sun drying them out that once they get watered, the, the moisture and the humidity stays around there so the key to getting rid of that is having airflow through the plants. so you don't want the inside of the plants of the bamboo to be too thick so you want to thin that out from the inside so the air can flow through it. Um yeah, that's yeah, and uh watering from the ground as well. So you don't yeah if you I'm not sure how you'd be watering them, but you don't want to have an overhead sprinkler watering your bamboo because that's going to have moisture up in the foliage as well. So then um that's more perfect uh areas for the mealybugs and the mould to grow. Um, but yeah i would say just trying to reduce the moisture and uh, increase airflow uh, and that should help and i'm sure there's uh if you google that i'm sure there's some um chemical free sprays that would help with the mealybugs, bugs but i don't know it's not going to help with the mold that's it. you just need to remove the amount of water and moisture that's uh, around the the leaves uh, Living Escapes said, "Do you think a lot of work around Geelong and the Surf Coast is slowing down? I think there is a little bit, but like uh, we're pretty chockers, But also, yeah, there's only three of us, so it doesn't take long to book us up. Uh, we're also doing a lot of our own designs now, so we've got those projects and other designers wanting us to do their projects. So, uh, not a lot of our work comes directly from clients, um, other than the ones wanting to design and construction. So we're we're still I'm still getting at least." I don't know if it's two or three. At definitely at least two inquiries a week, uh, and I'm not taking on any more. So, if anyone is looking for any work that they're wanting me to send their way, just let me know, and I'll do that next time someone contacts me. Because I'd rather say I'd rather refer uh, someone on to someone else rather than just saying we can't help. Um, it's much better to say I can't help, but try this person or this person. Um, And I think it's also a, a, like it seems like a worldwide thing. It's funny, everyone got busy during COVID in the industry and then because uh, I listened to a lot of US podcasts and North American um, as well. So they're all finding the same thing. It's It was crazy busy. Now it's starting to get quiet. But it also depends on what end of the market you're in. So with the interest rate rises, people who are uh, on smaller budgets, they're going to have less money to spend on their landscaping, but the people who are on higher-end budgets, which are the ones we work for, aren't as affected as much from the interest rate rises. So, yeah, we're still got – there's still massive projects around and still small ones as well. Um, people will be spending a little bit less sort of as you go down the bottom, the lower end of the market. Uh, so it's being spending less and maybe not anything at all. But, um, yeah, but it definitely has got quieter, but it's not – It's not quite it, that's for sure. So um, a lot of people haven't been doing a lot of advertising or trying to get any work because it was all just flying in for the last few years. So it could be worth looking at ways you could start increasing the amount of uh, leads that come in. Like I was looking to do that with their design side of things. I'm going to start doing some Google um, Google AdWords advertising to try and get more designs. We've got enough at the moment, but I would rather have um, too much, so they can start knocking it back. And Lucy Wilcox suggested the same in the UK. So, yeah, it's fascinating how that works. So, Australia, the UK, the US, everyone went crazy in COVID and now it's starting to, to quiet off. So, it's funny, all the everyone sort of blames their politicians for what's happening in their own country, but it seems like it's, everything is the same, regardless of who the politicians are, regardless of what country you're in. There's just cycles that seem to happen so um yeah it's curious that that happens so there's not it seems like there's not a lot you can do you just got to roll with the punches um but yeah that's a good thing is to start increasing your advertising and if you have too much work coming in then you can start you can choose the project that you want to work on uh, and then yeah you, you might find you're getting too many projects so you can palm some off to someone else so everyone will benefit from from your advertising i'm just going to see there's a question in here from adam brettel said would a landscaper generally come to a house and give either design or construction advice for an hourly or set rate that's a good question because so there'll be some some people who would come out and they'll charge a consultation fee to come out um so they might say yeah it could be 300 dollars, and we'll come out spend an hour and a half out there give you some ideas and then I'll go home and send you an email saying this is what we discussed and blah 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 other people won't come out unless you've got a design done so if they're a landscape builder they'll come out if you've got a design done um and they won't come out if you haven't because they want something to quote off because it can get a bit too airy-fairy if you're saying I oh, mean maybe want a bit of paving over here and a bit of this over there so you sort of need to have a rigid plan in place so that they can you know so that if you're getting multiple quotes so they can compare apples with apples um um and then there's some some landscapers do design and construction so if you're getting if for example if you contacted me to come out i would ask if you've got a design or if you've got like i'll tell you you need to have a good idea on what you're after because i don't like to quote sort of quote on something that doesn't exist so you'll I, I don't care if it's you know Drawing with crayons, saying we want paving here, plants here, grass here. It doesn't need to be too detailed. We just need to have an idea on what is going where, so you can quote on that. Uh, and if you don't want, like if you need some advice, then we can do a design and then yeah, quote from there. So it varies. So everyone's different, basically. So it varies on who you get out, what you're going to get from it. So you'd almost want to have do a bit of research and work out what you want, whether you want a design whether you want to get um, go with a designer only and then get some landscapers to quote it and build it, or if you want to go with someone who does both design and construction, and there's pros and cons for going both ways, or if you just want to draw up a vet for yourself and then get someone to quote that. So work out what you're wanting first and then try and find a landscaper that suits that or a designer that suits that. Uh, Cam from Abcam has got a question saying, apply Sledgehammer Selective herbicide from amgro to get rid of nut grass in lawns read the label first though now i wonder so he was saying so it's that product is or i said sledgehammer but he said it's actually sedgehammer it's a bit of a tricky name yeah um but yeah reading the label first i reckon one of those notes on the label would be about how long the lawn has been in place so if you put down instant turf it might be a few months before you can use it and those few months are also going to depend on what time of year like if you put it down at the start of winter three months at the start of winter compared to three months at the start of summer is a lot different on how the grass is going to be after those three months so you don't want to be going around spraying your grass and killing the whole lot of it just to get rid of your nut grass so yeah there's good products you just need to use them properly and find the right one. And last question from BI Landscaping and Construction. Just wondering how you deal with the mental side of running your business. Uh, I'm very lucky in that regard. Um, so I, I always wanted to play professional sport when I was younger and then ended up realising that some people have just got the talent to be able to do that. Uh, obviously, anyone to make it to the top level works hard, but some people have just are just better at some things than other people. So you've got skills in certain areas of your life, and other people have skills in a different certain level of area, area of life. And one of my strengths is not sport, unfortunately. Like I was good at it, but not good enough. But um, one of mine is is um, like mental health. I'm um, very, I'm, I'm able to, um, you yeah, know, something goes wrong. I can move on it, move on from it real quick. So I've never had any issues. I actually had one anxiety attack, but that was uh, what happened was I was thinking about all the expenses I had coming up in a couple of weeks from my business, and then I was think- I was trying to work out how I was going to pay my staff, couldn't think of how I was going to do it, so I could feel my heart like about to beat out of my chest. I was thinking I was going to have to shut the business down. I was just freaking out, and then maybe 20 minutes later I thought I'll have a look at all of my expenses – and then all of the amounts I've got to invoice over the next two weeks. And then it turns out I had double the amount of money that's supposed to come in that I needed to pay to go out. So um, I was freaking out for a little while, but then once I'd kn- you know, knuckled down to it, it wasn't as big a deal as what I thought of for a brief moment. So that's the only time I've ever had any issues. Um, and, like, things are going pretty tough quite right at the moment. Like, I'm, um, at the end of every month, it's... I'm not paying all the invoices that I have to pay by the end of the month. It's usually a couple of days late. There'll be a couple on there, but I pick and choose which ones they are. So it's any any smaller business, obviously fix them up well and truly straight away. But um, hopefully no one from Bunnings is, is listening, but they're always last because if, you, if you're if you looking to get a um, a new account somewhere and you put them down as a reference, they don't provide references, so as soon as I heard that, I thought, well, that's who I'll pay last then, because they're not gonna provide any references anyway. And obviously, yeah, Mr. West is not too concerned about my invoice getting paid late, but other people uh could be. So yeah, so it's and I'm I'll guarantee I'm not the only person struggling at the moment as well. So um but but again, it's more of a long term thing. I'll look at the expenses, look at the amounts I've got coming in, and I know that you know, I'll be able to sort things out. Um, some people like to work smarter when they um, ha- start to have some issues which is probably a good way to do it but I'm um, I'm a bit of a Neanderthal and I just work harder and make things happen so um, but yeah there's like whatever pro- there's whatever problem there is or has been someone's overcome it um and there's a lot of people worse off at business than than what what I am. And what what basically you are, anyone who's listening to this, there's people who are worse off at business. so there's a solution to every problem it just takes time or money to work it out. like I don't uh I don't think badly of anyone who does who does have any issues with their with the um yeah the mental sides of running business because it is hard. like you know, I love doing it, but there's it's absolutely hard sometimes and you have to do things you don't want to do. And people say when you find a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. You'll never work a day in your life, but that's clearly not true because, yeah, you do things that you don't want to have to do sometimes. But um, but when you compare that to working for someone else or doing a different job completely, and you and you look at other people who don't love their job, you certainly realise how lucky you are to have found the job that you like. But there are just some um, tough times in it. Uh, I do listen to some. Motivational stuff like on YouTube music that I it just gets me so pumped up. Sometimes I get goosebumps and I'll run through a wall if there was one in front of me. But, uh, but one of them, one of those little clips, like there, there's just multiple little clips of uh, motivational speakers. But one of them is talking about that. Um, I don't know if it's your life or your career could be a, is it is a marathon and this is just a short, challenging section. And having run a couple of marathons, there are I know that there are challenging bits, but, yeah, there's easy bits as well where you can just cruise along, um, and then it's it's really rewarding at the end. So it just sort of, yeah, that's the kind of thing I think of, that whatever you go through at the moment, there's easier times ahead, uh, and then you will learn from what you go through now as well. So you can make changes to not have, have it happen again. You can um, share that challenge that you had with someone else. So that'll help you feel better potentially about talking about it. But it can also stop them from going through the same thing. Um so that yeah, there's just a million different ways to to try and improve yourself. Um but yeah, I understand that I also hear a lot of people talk about how lonely uh, it can be running your own business. And I've never felt that for a second. So it's just people have different mindsets on things and people have different feelings on things. So, and I'm not saying that, again, not to talk down on anyone. It's just to point out that everyone thinks differently about things. So, um, yeah, I don't know what where that would lead to, but it's not, like, if if you're struggling with something, you should talk to someone about it, basically. And whether that's a counsellor, another landscaper, your partner, someone in a different industry, that can be helpful as well. Because if you're talking to uh, another landscaper, you'd be saying, "Yeah, phone's not ringing, guys, useless at work," and then the other guy would say, "Yeah, the same thing." That you're just sort of in an echo chamber. Whereas if you can talk to someone who's from a different industry, they could, you know, say, "If we if we had that situation like X, Y, Z, we would do it this way." So you can just, you know, get different different ways of going about things. Um, but yeah. It's, it's, I'm probably the worst person to answer that question because I don't have any issues with, with that side of, of the business. So, um, but I do know talking about it is the best, is the best thing to do. And I'm more than happy to message anyone. I've had people message me, you know, saying they were struggling about certain things. So more than happy to, um, message anyone or reply to anyone who's, who wants to reach out. Um, yeah, if I'm the right person good if and you can reach out to multiple people as well so you could reach out to three people maybe two people were useless to reach out to because they didn't help at all but one person was was perfect and then you feel a million times better so um and another good thing i'll, I'll keep it's quite a rambling answer probably makes no sense but the final thing i'll say on it is if you look back like where you are now compared to where you were you know three to five years ago you might be where you want it to be. I think it might be a bit tougher than in the ideal scenario, but in terms of what you built your business up to. Um, so uh, just be patient and realise that it's not a linear path that your business is going to travel on. It's not going to be just cruisy the whole time and easy because you work for yourself. There will be hard times in it, but uh, if you put one foot in front of the other, even when it, when you go take a step backwards, just keep Put the next time you put one foot in front of the other and uh, keep going on and uh, and I, I think I mentioned it a few times but I, my mum told me when I was at school cuz I hated school with a passion so much almost as much as I hated excavation, but not quite as much but I hated school um and she said that one day it would just be a memory so like you you don't go to school for your whole life and that will be the same thing with you know when you're struggling in business Eventually, it will just be a memory. So you just got to soldier on until it is. Well, that was a good good last question. Hopefully, no one fell asleep during that answer. But thank you very much, everyone. Again, we had, uh, I think, eight questions in today. And uh, again, I love doing it. So thanks for everyone who submitted one. And just a reminder, uh, out of the moment is Bryce Hillig from Local Green Bean. Uh, And it's pretty cool talking to him and finding out what it was like to work on Monet's garden in France. Uh, And I said to him, and some of the other gardens he went to, He's, uh, I said to him that he's experienced a lot of gardens that uh, people in the industry who have been in the industry for 30 years would have loved to have seen. And he's been in it for a few years and he's already seen them. So good chatting to him. Um, But, yeah, thanks very much, everyone, again, and we'll see you next week.